every Monday to Friday. This is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning. This is Peter Lewis welcoming you to my podcast, Money Talk, for Friday, the 6th of October. We're rejoicing. It's the end of the week. This podcast is sponsored by Surfing Group, which is headquartered in Singapore and offers online financial services to 30 million customers across 10 countries. You can contact me on Substack at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com or on Facebook, where my page is Peter Lewis Money Talk, or on Twitter, which I'm still struggling to call X, at moneytalkr3. Thank you for listening and for making Money Talk one of the most downloaded financial podcasts in Hong Kong. In today's business and finance headlines, Kristalina Georgieva, head of the International Monetary Fund, said the odds of a soft landing for the global economy have risen. Speaking ahead of the annual World Bank and IMF meetings in Marrakesh, Ms. Georgieva said the remarkable resilience of the global economy this year has cut the chances of a painful recession in the coming quarter. And she highlighted strong momentum in the US economy and also singled out India as a bright spot. And in India, growth in the Indian services sector has beaten estimates. The S&P Global India Services PMI increased to 61 in September from 60.1 in August, signalling a sharp upturn in outputs that was one of the strongest in over 13 years. New business increased by the second fastest since 2010, with export order growth being one of the fastest seen since 2014, and business, incentives, business sentiment improved to an over nine-year high. Hong Kong's private sector has contracted for a third month. The S&P Global Hong Kong PMI fell slightly to 49.6 in September from 49.8 in August, remaining below the 50 mark that separates expansion from contraction for a third straight month and signalling a continued deterioration in the private sector conditions. Weaker demand conditions, including foreign demand, led to reduced output and further pessimism among, among private sector firms in Hong Kong. Alibaba has been accused of possible espionage at its European hub. The Financial Times reported yesterday that Belgian intelligence services have been monitoring Alibaba's main logistics hub in Europe over concerns of potential espionage. Referring to the company's logistics arm at the cargo airport in the city of Liège, the security services said they were working to detect possible espionage or interference activities by Chinese entities, including Alibaba. On today's programme, I'm joined by Francis Lund, the CEO of Geo Securities, and Kenny Wen, Head of Investment Strategy at KGI Asia. With us later in the show is Tony Nash, founder of Complete Intelligence. On Wall Street, US stocks rallied into the close, reducing earlier losses. Ahead of crucial jobs data later today, the S&P 500 slipped 0.1% to 4,258, recovering from losses of 0.9% earlier in the session, and the broad-based index is on track for its fifth straight week of losses. The Dow fell 10 points, that's under 0.1%, to close at 33,120. The Nasdaq Composite traded down 0.1% to end at 13,220. Later today, economists believe non-farm payrolls for September will show a 170,000 increase, down from 187,000 jobs gain in August. U.S. Treasury yields across the curve have retreated from their highest levels in over a decade. Earlier this week, the yield on the 10-year note hit a new 16-year high of 4.85%. It ended yesterday's session unchanged at 4.72%. The 30-year U.S. yield reached more than 5% for the first time since 2007 before the financial crisis. On Thursday, it closed out the session slightly lower at 4.89%. 
The US dollar index was 0.4% weaker on Wednesday, trading around 106.35. The Japanese yen remained below the politically sensitive 150 level after breaching it for the first time in nearly a year on Tuesday. Yesterday, the Japanese currency strengthened 0.4% to 148.44. Oil prices resumed their slide yesterday after recording their biggest daily decline in more than a year in the previous session. Brent crude fell 2% to $84.07 a barrel, having dropped more than 5% on Wednesday. And shares in Hong Kong snapped two days of losses that had seen the Hang Seng Index lose almost 3.5% over that period to hit an 11-month low. The city's benchmark index rose 18 points, or 0.1%, to 17,214. The index was up 0.8% at the high of the day. The tech index closed 0.1% higher. Mainland markets still closed for the Golden Week holiday, but they do reopen on Monday. Here in Hong Kong, futures markets pointing to a jump of about 110 points for the Hang Seng at the open. That's 0.6%. The index should start somewhere around 17,321. And you can get more details on the latest market movements in my daily newsletter at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. Every Monday to Friday, this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Looks like it could be another wet and windy weekend. So to cheer us up, we have with us in the studio Francis Lund, the CEO of Geo Securities. Morning, Francis. Hi, good morning. And also with us, the ever-cheerful Kenny Wen, Head of Investment <laughs> Strategy at KGI Asia. Morning to you, Kenny. Good morning. Um, I want to start talking about the markets, because it's been a bit of a dramatic week, hasn't it, yeah. uh, this week? Particularly in the Treasury bond markets. Yield, yields, as you heard earlier, across the curve, um, reached their highest levels in over a decade. France is the 10-year bond yield. It's risen 60 basis points in just one week. This yeah. is not normal behaviour, is it, for the bond markets? Yeah, that, that was really extremely volatile and uh, I think I think it is uh, something like a 20-year high or something like that 16 16-year Se- uh, high yes yeah uh, and and the uh, 30-year mortgage uh, in the US now is 7.49 percent mm. and which is high enough to discourage people and buying new home now because uh, uh, they can afford the uh, down payment. They can afford to pay the mortgage. That's the problem. Mm. And uh, in Hong Kong, the same problem because interest rates are so high that uh, some people have problem paying the mortgages. And that's why the housing market is so down. And uh, everybody's clamoring to ease the restrictions, please. <laughs> Kenny, why is this happening? Why are we seeing this big move upwards in in bond yields? All around the world, actually, isn't it? But probably being led by the US. Yes, I think it's driven by uh, two weeks ago, the Federal Reserve meeting uh, referred to the doctor a dog pot chart, you can see that now the market expects the interest rate will rise one more time uh, mm. this year. And especially for the uh, weight cuts, uh, originally everyone expects at least three to four times weight cut next year. But uh, according to the dog pot, now maybe just two times. So what we call higher for longer is now the market expectation. <laughs> That's the reason uh, to, to push up the bond yield. But I think 
for the 4.8 percentage point for the 10 years Treasury yield may be somehow already reflected the latest market forecast. The deferred upside potential may not be too significant, but but anyway, I I must say that the market do have another opinion. This morning, I read the report from JP Morgan. They expected that the the federal fund the Treasury yield may rise to six percent. So wow. Even though this is not our base case scenario, but uh, in case this happen, it will hurt U.S. economy, U.S. stock, uh, as well as Hong Kong. But I think that even even though we said uh, it is now the 16 years high for the Treasury yield, but it just back to uh, the period before 2008. So I think for the past. 15 years is an abnormal zero interest rate environment. We now just back to the normal situation and everyone, including investors, uh, need to adopt that. Adopt that. Uh, the the uh, relatively high interest rate will appear in a foreseeable future. So whenever we make any investment decision or financial decision, we need to take account of a relatively high investment environment uh, situation. Changes everything, this, doesn't yes. it? Do you know what Barclays said would be the only thing that stops yields rising in a report they've just issued they said a stock market crash <laughs> or, or a recession <laughs> yeah the yeah. Hong Kong market already crashed <laughs> well that's true that's true um, do you know I said this on the show yesterday um, I've seen this before um, and do you know what this reminds me of you may remember Francis yeah. 1987 was when this happened yeah. last time. Yeah, um, and over right. the summer of 1987, bond yields in the US started to rise very, very fast. Uh-huh. And then there was also a lot of turmoil in the currency markets over yep. that summer yep. as well. And then we know how that ended with the stock market crash of 1987. And as I said on the show yesterday, I can see similarities between what's happening now in the markets and 1987. So I don't want to worry you because, you know, history doesn't, <laughs> necessarily, doesn't <laughs> necessarily repeat itself. But Francis, do you remember that time? Yeah, definitely. I, I remember very vividly because uh, uh, on that day, actually, uh, the Chinese tycoons are uh, forming a syndicate to buy Hong Kong land from the Jardines Group. And, uh, uh, and Robert Ng bought something like 500 uh, 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 index futures. Which resulted in a one billion dollar loss. Ooh, <laughs> in painful, painful, and that was a lot of money then. That's right, and then and then the market crashed, and they, it stopped trading for six, four days, and then when it reopened, the market fell. Uh, 1,900 points in one day. <laughs> well, the, Hong Kong does have this reputation of when there is a market crash yeah. or big market moves, it always seems to do worse than everyone everyone else. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But but this time it's different because the uh, Hong Kong market is already at, at a very low level. Mm. It's, so, it's 17,000. How, how how much lower, lower can you get? Not well, much. We <laughs> might find out soon. Yeah, yeah I think exactly. Because many people ask me that uh, October is a very a poor month. Uh, always some uh, uh, sell-off happened in October. I, but I say, I think that now it's already 17,000. We already have a crash. So mm. how much can we... The downside was maybe relatively limited. But so I, I think... Uh, in terms of fundamentals, now talking about the forward PE is eight to nine times. Uh, I, I'm not saying that because we do have some fundamental core issues need to handle, for example, uh, Chinese economy, Chinese uh, property market. But 
the downside risk unless there's something crash happen in US. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I, I, I do think that the downside risk may not be as large as uh, other investors think. But if yields carry on rising and, you mm-hmm. know, they go to 6%, as some analysts are now saying, what sort of impact is that going to have on equity investors here uh, in Hong Kong? That will be terrible. But, but uh, uh, look at one key indicator is the price of crude oil. Mm. It felt uh, it actually crashed this week. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, that's oil. another odd thing, isn't it? What's going on in the oil markets yeah, as well? I, I think people are pre- uh, look look at the numbers. People are predicting a a, a sharp drop in the demand for oil uh, globally. That the demand for uh, electric cars have uh, has risen dramatically mm. and in China more than 30% of the new car registrations are electric cars and it, it is showing a rising trend in Europe and the US because Chinese electric vehicles are flooding the market worldwide mm. yeah. mm. So this is going to be another... Fa- I mean, this is all linked ultimately, though, to yields, isn't it? In, yeah, in the that's bond markets, right. That's where it all emanates from, um, sort of ultimately. Do In this new environment, then, because we've got to get used now to interest rates being at these sort of levels, aren't they? Because they're not going to go back to where they were um, a couple of years ago. Um, do we have to focus more on debt, both private debt, corporate debt, government debt? Does, help, does this become now a much bigger issue? Yeah, Fed is speaking uh, in uh, early uh, this year, early this year, uh, when we believe that the stock market will be very volatile. Uh, we do recommend investment grade bond because we suggest investors to lock in a relatively high interest rate, and then uh, when the U.S. government to cut rate maybe next year, uh, you can enjoy a mild capital gain from the bond market. So seems to be a quite attractive investment. But as now uh, the interest rate will be higher and longer. Uh, fairly speaking, uh, those invest on bonds, they do suffer recently. But we think but, but the reality is that for the uh, past few weeks, stock market and bond, bonds market uh, also suffer. So uh, diversification mm-hmm. is not working again this mm-hmm. year. Well, normal correlations have broken down, haven't they? The way asset classes normally tend to move um, either together or in opposition to each other. It doesn't seem to be working at the, at the moment, does <laughs> yeah, it? So we, we, we did see a bit of this last year when stocks and bonds both came down yeah. um, together as people started to think there was going to be a recession, but then there wasn't. Uh-huh. <laughs> Although now maybe, I'm wondering, actually now, are the recession risks going up because of what's happening in the markets? Well, not according to Georgia. The head of IMF, and she just said that the uh, uh, the U.S. economy is showing remarkable resilience, and uh, despite the uh, uh, UAW strike against the big three auto workers, and hiring actually increased uh, in the U.S. and and uh, uh, Ford just reported strong sales and production. It, it, it doesn't seem the strike is hurting the big three uh, very seriously right mm. now. So I think uh, U.S. economy will carry the world uh, through this, uh, well, so-called downturn right now. I think the stock market is in the correction mood. Uh, it's down from uh, the year high. I think uh, maybe it, fall, it will fall a little bit more, but not that much, not to the third. 
thirty thousand level. I don't see it for yeah. for uh, Dow Jones falling to thirty thousand. We we are not bearish on U.S. stock, but for global or U.S. economy, we remain that um the re- recession is only delayed but not avoided, because soft landing is. It's very very hard to achieve, because we if the economy is very strong or resilient, you need to keep going with height, uh, wait wait wait. Mm. But uh, until well, when you stop to wait uh, the rate, then you surely the uh, economy or or already get hurt and under recession. So the optimal point is too difficult to achieve. So uh, we will not be too optimistic. Uh, the the U.S. and the uh, global economy can really uh, having the soft landing scenario. But uh, that IMF report, the trouble with the IMF is they're always backward looking, aren't they? They're saying the US economy <laughs> yeah. is more resilient. Yes, it was over the yes, last nine months. Yeah. But at the beginning of the year, the IMF was quite gloomy, saying that you exactly. know the, the, the chances of recession was high. And I'm wondering now if they've missed the boat again, because yes, it was resilient over the last nine months. But are things for the next quarter, the next six months going to change? Because you've got interest rates at levels that make it very hard for consumers. Consumers, you yeah. know, they're not going to borrow at these sort of levels. Take out loans. Mm-hmm. There's signs of stress in uh, corporate debt markets because co- companies have got to roll over their debts now yeah. at much higher levels. So I'm wondering if actually maybe uh, the recession might be coming uh, later on in this yes. year or early next year. I agree. It could, it could, but uh, right now uh, we we have we have not seen any signs of it. But uh, I, I I know one borrower is really hurting is the U.S. federal government mm. uh, is is paying something like one trillion U.S. dollars a year in interest. Now it's a big percentage of the annual budget. They cannot afford. <laughs> so have they got to cut back? I mean, is the debt in the U.S. is going to become an issue, isn't it? Because of just well, their, their interest expense at the moment. Well, according to the uh, uh, the right wing of the Republican Party, you have to cut the, your expenses 23% across the board. Mm. Now, <laughs> now, how much is this going to be, that going to be a factor as well? Because well, we're heading for another government shutdown, aren't we, in, uh, in, yeah, in the US? In, in 40, 40 days. The yeah, 17th. I think, uh, well, uh, uh, you have insane people in the Republican Party. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, you, you have to live from crisis to crisis every month mm. <laughs> in yeah, the US. I that because uh, US will have the president election next year. So uh, politically, is getting complicated in the coming three, uh, six months. So get prepared. Not only the uh, the relatively high yield, not only the uh, still remain the recession risk, but the political risk will also drive uh, the uh, stock market quite volatile in the near future. And why is um, why is the jobs market so influential in all of this? Because we're, we're seeing some of the biggest moves in the bond markets on the back of a jobs report. We had mm-hmm. the jolts survey earlier on in this week didn't we the job opening survey which was much better than mm-hmm. expected so yields shot up then we had the adp uh, private payrolls report which was worse than expected yes. so the yields all came back down now yeah. everyone's <laughs> waiting for the official non-farm payrolls report yep. later oh. today so presumably um if it's better than expected um you know yields are going to shoot up again yeah, yeah, and vice versa. Yeah, but 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 the but the but, but the problem is the fi- the numbers do not tell a coherent story, mm. and no, nobody seems to know whether jobs are uh, uh, the uh, the employment rate is going up or down. 
and uh, everybody assumed that the economy is, is still keep on growing. If that is the case, the use will go up <laughs> again, mm. and that that is bad news for stock markets. It's really difficult to forecast the number because uh, first of all, the jobs data is quite volatile, and also uh, if you really focus on the data, uh, they will revise upward or downward later. So uh, for today, uh, the, the announcement may drive the yield or stock market, but don't be too optimistic or, or pessimistic because they somehow they will revise later. And what should I read into what's going on with the yield curve? You remember back in the mm-hmm. summer, it was heavily inverted over a minus 100 basis point. I think it got to about minus 110 basis points. Well, it's now steepening and we're down to about minus 30 basis points. Mm-hmm. So in other words, it's getting less inverted. The yield curve is steepening. Um, now, what's that telling us? Well, they're tell- telling us that the, uh, the the future is not not as bad as <laughs> predicted, <laughs> because uh, uh, early in the year everybody's predicting a recession, uh, what almost ninety percent certainty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, uh, while well, you uh, recession is not in, so I think uh, uh, long term yields are going up and short term yields are coming down. So you have the narrowing of the of the inverted yield curve. But one thing is very interesting. Yes, uh, the inverted yield curve become less inward. Uh, is a point to a relatively good economic situation. But if you focus on the stock market, it's very interesting that for the past 20 or 30 years, when the inverted yield curve become less inverted or become normal, then usually the, uh, the stock market sell-off will happen. That's very, very interesting. So seems that is. Uh, happening now. So my nineteen eighty seven comparison might be might be coming true then. Uh, a better lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's look at Hong Kong then. Yeah. What, what are people supposed to do here? Because every time, um, you know, we have a big sell-off, we get a rally. People hope that maybe that's the bottom, but the rally just doesn't seem to last very long, does mm-hmm. it? It fizzles out very quickly. So yeah. this week we've seen um, the Hang Seng lose what three and a half percent in just two days. We had a an eighteen point rally yesterday, which is pretty miserable, really, in the <laughs> grand <laughs> scheme of things. What what are we supposed to do here? Well, I, I think I think pessimism just pervades the uh, the stock market for for the entire year. Ever since uh, February, the market has been going down nonstop. Uh, the, the the problem problem is the is the lack of money. Uh, nobody seems to be buying. Yesterday's turnover was only forty-seven billion dollars. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's like a morning uh, half-day trading. So we have to get people interested in in buying stocks. But the, in order to get people buying stocks, the stock market has to rise. It's yeah, a vicious if the circle. Stock then, market doesn't rise. Nobody will buy. That, it's a that. vicious circle. Yeah. If we focus on the uh, trading volume, I think uh, somehow we can say that the selling pressure is not so large. That is good, but we are lacking any positive factors. So uh, most invest- investor will take a wait and see approach. So I, I think uh, for uh, starting from the end of October, uh, there may be certain uh, several issue we need we, we can focus on. First of 
therefore, we will have the in in Hong Kong, we have the uh, policy adjust. I think the Hong Kong government will announce different measures uh, to boost up the property market and the stock market. Uh, and also in China, we will have the political meeting. Uh, somehow they should focus on the economy as well. So I think uh, after the, the the past two weeks, which is a policy window period, I uh, hope we can have more policy support from Hong Kong and government, which will uh, somehow to to uh, help to improve the market sentiment. And how much is this linked to the property market? Do we need to see stabilisation in the property market before we're going to see any sort of real rebound in the stock market? Yeah, I think uh, what we see is a really pressure on the property price, ex- especially from people who are emigrating, and uh, they are being forced to sell at a steep loss. And uh, uh, in some cases, uh, somebody uh, bought a property something like 15 years ago and still uh, suffer a loss when they sold out. Mm-hmm. And so uh, th- there's really uh, no optimism. It's only all gloom and doom in the property market now. And I think it, it really is the right time for the government to relax those uh, really strict rules on buying properties, like uh, cutting the 15% uh, tax on the non-residents and then the company purchases some p- p- things like that. I think compared with the residential market, commercial property I think is is even even worse. Yeah, even worse. Mm. Yeah. So I think that in the policy adjust, there should be some uh, measure to 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 be announced. And we're seeing here in Hong Kong, aren't we? Um, you know, the, the the government's just not selling enough land. It's only done, I think, about eighteen percent of its uh, annual budget so far. So, yeah. which is going to have an impact on tax revenues here? Yeah, they 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 they, they rather not sell at at a bargain price. They they don't want to benefit the, the developers. But how are they going to raise money? I mean, this is a major source of revenue for the Hong Kong government, isn't <laughs> well, it? Well, they 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 have to uh, sell more green bonds and silver bonds. So that's why they're not willing. To cut the stamp duty. <laughs> <laughs> now, what do you make of this report that the Hong Kong government is pushing uh, for the Hong Kong Stock Exchange to remain open during typhoons? <sighs> the task force has been told to look at this but as a matter of urgency. <laughs> you, you both work for brokers. Do, yes. you, do you support that idea or not? I, I don't support it. No. 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 <laughs> like, look, look, look at the back rain that we had there two weeks ago. Uh, uh, if you had to go to work, it was just pandemonium. Uh, and, and dangerous. Uh, yeah, extremely dangerous. The entire city has been, been flooded. How can you get to work? So I, I think, especially for small and medium uh, brokerage firms, they are just not ready mm-hmm. uh, for the infrastructure or the manpower to handle in a such a severe uh, weather situation to, to provide the service. So that is the first point. The second point is, seems that it's not the, the a top priority issue which Hong Kong stock market facing. So you are not targeting the most important part, but... Anyway, so uh, we, we, we are not supporting this issue. Yeah, so really, as you're saying, it's small brokers are hit much harder by this measure, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, where, where they're going to struggle. We have so few to... people, we cannot. <laughs> 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 we just cannot cope with a, 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 a natural disasters like this. 
It's also at odds, really, with what the government and the observatory says, which is to stay home, stay safe, except mm. the, the stock exchange will then be saying, go out and try and get to, get to work. <laughs> get it's to it's work, slightly, yeah. slightly right. odd, isn't it? That's right. So what do we need to do to try and boost the volumes here on the stock market, then? What's this task force uh, got to look at? Well, well, I... Well, one thing we can look at is to introduce a market maker uh, system for the uh, for the small cap stocks. I, I think uh, if you look at the small cap stocks, I think ninety nine percent of them are dead. <laughs> mm. <laughs> they have mm. no trading, no business whatsoever, and, and I think you should uh, introduce a disciplined and regulated. Uh, market maker system to maintain the uh, liquidity in the market. Right now, for the small cap stock, the problem is there's no liquidity whatsoever. So the market makers will provide that liquidity and, yeah. and try and boost some overall um, uh-huh. sort of volumes because yeah. the, the volumes are pretty dire at the yeah, moment. That's right. Yeah, that's mm. right. I think no single measure can solve the problem, but many things we can do. For example, uh, we went the Jambon, uh, invite more good company to Hong Kong IPO, uh, cutting the stamp duties or reduce the stamp duty. Many things we can do, but uh, the, the, the committee already having meetings for two or three weeks, but nothing announced. So we, I, I personally hope in the policy address there will be good news for Hong Kong investors. Mm. And let me just finally ask you about the uh, the Hong Kong PMI. It fell slightly, 49.6 at the moment, just below the 50 level, isn't it? So uh, our, our private sector's contracting uh, for the third month. Not a disaster, but still, well, the, the overall environment just seems to be gloomy at the moment. Are well, you sensing that? Yeah, September, we have a number 10 typhoon and black rain. I think we can blame on that. <laughs> right. And I think in October, it should be better because there are more tourists from China. Uh, the streets are really crowded in uh, Causeway Bay, Hong Kong, and Jim Sarger. So uh, I'm more hopeful for October. Yeah, I agree because uh, it seems that China economy is starting to stabilize and Hong Kong government already uh, hold a lot of... Uh, uh, um, parties or functions so there should be some improvement in the fourth quarter for hong kong well we're still seeing this trend though of we've had mainland tourists coming but hong kong people going over the border yeah, to the mainland two, two instead. To one. so yeah. and they seem to be leaving at a faster rate than people are coming in which is yeah. sort of still not helping our consumer spending levels is it that's really? right we should impose it and exit tax everybody pays 100 <laughs> going to subject oh my goodness. Yeah. And, and what about the night vibes campaign is that helping are you seeing any um any improvements as a result of that well the, well if you go to one chai and western and jim sarger i think they, they did a good job i think there are yeah. people there uh, and then they're spending i think they they, they should keep it on yeah, but yes, I agree with Francis. Whether the impact can be long-lasting will be the key. Okay. Well, look, have a great weekend. Yep. Let's hope it's not too wet and windy <laughs> this weekend. Thank you both very much for, for coming in and helping to keep uh, things open here in, in Hong Kong. That was Kenny Wen, Head of Investment Strategy at KGI Asia, and Francis Lun, who is the CEO of Geo Securities. <laughs> I'm joined now by Tony Nash, founder of Complete Intelligence over in the USA. Morning, Tony. Good morning, Peter. Now, it's been an extraordinary week, hasn't it, in uh, the House of Representatives. The Republican Party have kicked out their own speaker uh, for the first time right. ever, I think, in history. That's, that's happened, isn't it? So we're really in pretty much uncharted territory now. What happens next? 
Ooh, uh, there's a lot that can happen next. There are a number of people who are up for speaker. Um, one is former President Trump. Um, I think he's kind of taking all the air out of the room right now. Is that a serious? Uh, is that serious? The, the the idea that he could be speaker? I I I think it's possible. Um, I don't think it's probable, but I think it's possible. Um, I think people are pushing it simply because um, it's something unconventional. Look, Americans are really tired of politics right now, really tired. And, you know, uh, it looks kind of like a circus from overseas. Here, it's kind of a shoulder shrug, you know. It's like, okay, now what, what are they doing, right? And so, you know, I, I think people are just tired of business as usual and, they're tired of seeing a lot of money go to the federal government. They're tired of seeing the money that they send there. You know, they're tired of seeing people like Diane Feinstein, who just passed away this week, have a job that pays $140,000 a year, yet she retires having $110 million net worth. Okay. So Americans are tired of seeing this. And so I'm not in any way advocating Trump as Speaker of the House. I'm just trying to help people understand why Americans are even entertaining some of this stuff. Americans are tired of paying in. They're tired of seeing their politicians retire as, you know, multi-multi-millionaires after spending time in, you know, in politics, this sort of thing. And so they're really looking for something different. They're looking for a generational change. Is Trump that generational change? He's not. But he's different. And so I think the people in the House of Representatives right now who are really interested in some sort of change are looking for, you know, there was a motion today to set term limits so people can't serve longer than 12 years, uh, to say that people, while they're um, uh, in the House, they can't trade stocks, you know, these sorts of things. And, you know, we've had people like my own representative in Texas, his name is Dan Crenshaw. He was a regular guy when he became a representative. When he started in the House of Representatives, he started miraculously trading stocks. And now he's a multimillionaire, okay, mm. while he's in that. So, again, there is a, a level of frustration that Americans have in politics. And that's part of the reason some of these characters like Donald Trump come into the fold as possible nominees for the House. Can they do it legally? Yeah. I mean, you don't necessarily have to be an elected official to become Speaker of the House. But I, I, And so... Is there a worry, though, that in trying to get something different, um, people are also turning to extremists because, you know, some of these people yeah, that are yeah, pretty extreme, aren't they? Yeah, that's why I don't think I don't think Trump will get it. OK, um, you know, people like Jim Jordan, who's been in the House for a long time, he's likely to get it. Or um, Steve Scalise, uh, who's been in the House for a long time. Steve Scalise is famous because he was actually shot by a Democrat um uh, partisan when he was playing softball in a a park in D.C. 10 years ago or something. Mm. So he's the majority leader uh, in the House right now. And so I think it's really between him and Jim Jordan as to who's really going to get it. But but I think when, when people overseas hear about this, you know, they hear about Donald Trump and they hear about he, you know, might be Speaker of the House. There has to be this understanding that Americans are just incredibly frustrated with politics in America and the partisanship and the the media kind of blowing everything up into a huge scandal or huge, you know, pearl clutching incident or something. And it's just not. It's politics as usual. It's drama as usual in D.C. Is the government going to shut down? Nobody really thought the government was going to shut down, right? Last week, right? This was just a story from last week. 
weeks of drama leading up to will the government shut down and at the end of the day you know um uh surprising no one the government decided to fund itself right so nobody cares right i mean these things come out and they're hyped and they're big stories but at the end of the day most americans look at this stuff and just shrug their shoulders and go well it's those guys in dc they're doing what they do is it, are they um i mean has all of this though re- increased the chances now of a, of a government shutdown because it seems that it's going to be really hard for whoever leads the republicans to be able to work under any circumstances with with the democrats in the uh, in the house and and get anything done doesn't it so it's uh, it, it seems to increase no, the possibility that we're going to get so. a shutdown i don't think so i think um uh i, I think that the government, the representatives in government will find a way to um, to make us think that there will be a shutdown. And there may be a very short-term shutdown, um, but this is all theatrics. Mm-hmm. Again, as a political observer all my life uh, in the U.S., uh, and for most, most of my life I was outside of the U.S., observing U.S. politics, um, living in Asia for a long time, living in Europe for a few years, and... You know, this is theatrics. Um, mm-hmm. The government isn't really going to shut down. There isn't really going to be reform. Um, you know, these these things that most Americans are shocked that we pay so much for, it's not going to change. So will the government shut down? Maybe, but it's not going to be for very long. Are there going to be dramatic changes in spending by the U.S. government? Highly unlikely. Mm-hmm. So all of the suspense around government shutdown and gridlock and all this other stuff, it's, you know, it's drama. It's made for TV drama. Um, but these guys are friends and they golf together and they go to the club together and they do all sorts of stuff together, regardless of partisan differences. And so, you know, they're going to get it done. So mm-hmm. whoever is Speaker of the House is, is going to do it. If Trump gets, you know, if Trump is kind of voted in as Speaker of the House, um, he he will turn it into a presidential campaign post. Uh, and the House probably won't get much done for the next year. Which, again, most Americans are probably okay with that. Mm. Uh, Because, again, most Americans are very tired. It's just the eye-rolling nature of what happens in D.C. It's it's craziness. Mm. And so, um, do they want to see the drama of Donald Trump as Speaker of the House? No. Very few people want to see that. But if it did bring people to really question and expose things that are happening in D.C., overspending and corruption and all this other stuff, I think over time people would probably be okay with it. But when you look back at Donald Trump's presidency, what did he really do that was remarkable? He did a few things, but you can't look back at it and say, oh, wow, that was an amazing presidency. Um, He didn't do all the things he said he was going to do, right? It's like looking back at the Biden presidency, unremarkable, right? Mm. Both of them are unremarkable. So... You know, I, I don't necessarily think Trump would get amazing thing done as Speaker of the House. Um, so I, I think it'll be Jim Jordan or it'll be Steve Scalise who ends up being Speaker. Okay. Now, presumably one of the things that's going to be very much in focus is debt, isn't it? The amount of government debt. Um, I mean, particular with what's going on in the bond markets recently, we've seen the 10-year yield jump 60 basis points in the, the space of about a week, which is a pretty extreme move uh, for, for, yep. the bond, um, for the bond markets. What, what's causing uh, the, these gyrations and, and these yields to, to shoot up to, um, you know, what a, what a you know, multi, multi-year highs, 16-year highs in the case of the 10-year? Good news is bad news, right? So 
um, we're in a place where when people hear that we're not going to have a recession and that job growth is strong and other things, that's actually bad news, meaning interest rates jump on that because there is an expectation that if if hiring continues to be strong, if the job markets continue to be strong, then the Fed is going to have to continue to raise interest rates, right? And so, so if we if if we have strong payrolls numbers and uh, let's say we continue to have strong, say, real estate numbers and and other things, then the bond markets look at that as the Fed not raising interest rates enough. And so we had a strong uh, jobs report uh, a couple days ago, and that caused interest rates to spike because people looked at it and said, oh, gosh, OK, the, the, you know, the market is still or the uh, job market is still very, very strong. That means spending is going to continue. And so that means the Fed's going to continue raising rates and they're not going to just do 25. There's going to be two or three or whatever more rate hikes. Right. Um, again, that's possible. But when you look at, um, say, consumer spending, it did it did dial down a little bit in September. Uh, and some of these other indicators have dialed down a little bit in September. So I think we're in that part of the cycle where, you know, people are kind of talking in both ways. You know, um, you know, uh, growth is tempering down. Oh, no, it's strong growth. Oh, no, it's not as bad as you think or whatever. Right. I mean, they're, they're depending on the day, the market is trying to find the levels that it should trade at. And that's normal. You know, in this part of the cycle, people trying to find are we in a new bull market or is this a longer bear market? You know, we're at that part of the cycle where people are trying to figure it out. Mm. So this is what we saw in bond markets on Thursday are not um, it's not the end of that volatility. Right. We're going to have volatility for several months until we figure out what the direction is, until we have a clear idea from the Fed. Um, until we have a clear idea from, say, the jobs market, what's happening, until we have a clear idea uh, in terms of wages, what's happening. And so I think what we've seen, <clears throat> particularly in crude markets uh, over the past couple of days, has really helped um, because when you look at crude, you're not only looking at the crude prices, you're looking at the expected primary and secondary impacts of inflation, right? Not just crude, but what goes into, say, gasoline, what goes into plastics, or, you know, even tertiary impacts of inflation, right? So, so when crude prices fall, that helps a lot of the economy to have lower prices, hopefully. And, um, and so, go ahead. Are, there, are these yields at these types of levels, have they now actually increased the chances of the U.S. economy going into recession? Because at the beginning of the year, people were predicting a recession, but were simply wrong. Um, you know, the, the economy held up much better than people thought. Uh, the jobs market yep. has held up much better than people thought. But now we have yields, at, you know, interest rates at restrictive levels, yields moving higher. Are the chances of right. a recession, ironically, now, now increasing? Well, you know, it's the recession is that interesting kind of economist dilemma, right? Last year, people said it was going to be in the first half of 23. Then we got in the first half of 23. Then they said it's in the back of a 23. Now people are saying there will be a recession in the first half of 24. So we're always kind of chasing our tails on that, right? Mm. Um, you know, with these types of things, I like to talk to people in the markets and on the street. So I was talking to a mortgage broker here in the U.S. yesterday, and uh, I said, hey, how much have things slowed down? Have you know have, have things slowed down a lot? They said yes, things have slowed down a lot. The housing market in the U.S. right now, according to this person, is mostly cash purchases. The homes that are being bought are largely not done through mortgages because mortgage rates are so high. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's what the Fed wants. They want 
the number of transactions and the nominal rate of those transactions to slow down. They mm. want the prices to slow down. If people are paying cash, then they're probably buying a higher-end property or something like that, right? But the legs are coming out from underneath the mortgage market, and that's exactly what the Fed has wanted to do, okay? Yeah. So these people who own two or three houses and have Airbnbs and rental houses and stuff, they're not able to rent those out as much. They won't be able to afford the mortgages on multiple houses, so they'll be foreclosed on or they'll sell at a lower price. And what ultimately the Fed wants is they want those people who own three, four, five Airbnbs and rent houses to have to sell at a lower price because it brings um, the froth out of the real estate market. So do these higher rates mean we will have a recession? Maybe. Um, it really all depends on where people keep their wealth and where that employment is. But what's more likely to happen, and I know this isn't really a mainstream view, but it's actually possible that we have you know, disinflation next year. And so what that means is the margins that companies get are smaller. And if the margins are smaller, then the valuations for those companies will be smaller. And if the valuations are smaller, then we'll see a market pullback. Right. Okay. So, you know, unless those valuation multiples, you know, go up for some reason, right? But those valuation multiples wouldn't go up in a higher interest rate environment. Mm. Those valuation multiples would only go up if we saw a strong pullback in interest rates. Mm -hmm. And so if we are truly in this higher for longer environment, which I believe we are, we'll, it, well, if we're in that environment and we have pullback in margins and disinflation, then we'll necessarily have to see a pullback in equity markets because valuations will pull back. Okay. Well, Tony, look, thank you very much. It's always good to hear your thoughts. That's Tony Nash, who is founder of Complete you, Intelligence over in Texas in the United States. You're listening to Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Money Talk. Thank you very much for listening this morning and this week. Don't forget to take a look at my daily newsletter, which is at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. I'll have more business and finance updates for you on Monday. Joining me then, Alex Wong, Director at Alex KY Wong Asset Management, and Frederick Chu, Managing Director at Magnum Research, and providing a view from mainland China will be Brock Silvers, CIO at Kyan Capital. Have a great weekend. Money Talk.